Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your city upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. All right. Hey, thank you for tuning into the podcast. This is the Grace for This City podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Hey, we're helping you turn your city upside down. How are we doing that? Well, we're giving you scriptural motivation and strategy so you can get out there and get some stuff done for your king, King Jesus, that is. And you know what? He's the best king to be working for. There's all kinds of kings and rulers and tyrants and whoever trying to take control of everybody's life. But I'm telling you what, the best king to be serving is King Jesus. In fact, he is the king of kings. There might be other kings out there, but he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And you know what? He's got a plan for you. So I want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Hey, you know what? Uh, subscribe, comment, share it with somebody. That that helps us out. You know how these digital algorithms work. So if you're listening to the podcast, no matter where you're at in the nations, comment, like, subscribe, whatever the options that, you know, depending on the platform that you're tuning into, however they give you the availability to stay close to what we're doing, please do that and then share it with somebody. You can text the link to them, send it to them in an email, do something to help us get the word out. You know what? We said this from the beginning. We're not trying to get our name out. We're not trying to get our name out. This isn't the, this isn't the Justin Goff show. No, we're trying to get the word out. We want to help you turn your cities upside down for Jesus. And what do we mean? Again, what do we mean by turning your world upside down? Well, the world's upside down right now. The devil, he's a pervert. He's a perverter. He's not an originator. He took an originating thing and then he twisted it. That's where we get the word wicked. Um, you know, you would know uh, maybe wicker furniture, you know, wicker furniture. It's fibers that have been twisted together. Well, that's where uh, the root word, we get the word wicked. He's a perverter. He's a twister. And so things are upside down. When we say turning the world upside down, they're already upside down. We're making right wrongs through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is righteousness, the right way of being and doing. And so that's what we are challenging you and giving you the tools and the motivation to get out there and right wrongs. Bring the light into dark places. Bring the delivering power of the Most High into someone's life and help them uh, recover. Hallelujah. You know, if they're broken, you can turn their world upside down by bringing healing into that situation. And uh, I just want to remind you and encourage you that even as Jesus was anointed and he went around doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil, that you too, if you're born again, you're in the body of Christ, that same anointing is working on you. So get out there, friend, and get some stuff done for you, King. And then send me an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Let me know about how you're turning your world upside down. We want to celebrate with you. And if you need some tick, uh, some tips or tricks or strategy or uh, somebody to just cheer you on, let us know. We'd love to do that because that's what we are doing. We're helping you get your work done. Hallelujah. Well, let's get into the podcast today. And uh, we're going to go a step further. We've been talking about laws of transformation. And, um, you know, if you go back in the archives, we've done two already, two episodes on this. We're going to pick up on this one. It'll be our third episode, the uh, laws of transformation, laws of transformation. We don't claim to know the law. I think I may have said the law of transformation. And I want to correct that. I don't know the law. I have some light and more lights coming. Revelation's coming. And so really the title of this series of podcasts is laws of transformation. 
Uh, we may not know the only way. There may be several ways as the Lord reveals how things work in the spirit to us. And so I don't want to be unbecoming as a novice and restrict myself to uh, claiming that I know the law. But we have some uh, understanding of how these things work. So we're talking about laws of transformation. And let's get into this. Of course, uh, one of our base scriptures here is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The last couple of podcasts, we've gone over this in detail, but let me read it to you. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, that's metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind, that or so that, because of the comma right before the word that, we can say so that. So be transformed so that you may prove, the word proves, the word allow. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can allow what is good and acceptable, and ultimately, you're going to get into the perfect will of God. We just don't want to hang out just in the good stuff. Uh, you've you probably heard this just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. You know, there's one too many O's in there. You know, you got to find out which is God. What What is God asking of you? Don't dilute that by adding another O in there. It might be good, but it may not be God. And so we want, we want to know what God's perfect will is. God's perfect will is those Kairos appointments. And we want to be on track for them. We don't want to be disappointed. Dis would be oppositional to appointment. So disappointment, the devil's going to try and get you off to the left or to the right. And even in good things. You know what tripped up Eve in Genesis? Remember that? If you go back and read that, what, 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 what did it say? That she saw the food that it was good. But listen, God already said, don't eat of that yet. He had a way of fulfilling, ultimately bringing them into a knowledge of what this was for, but it wasn't time yet. So he said, don't eat of this tree. And you know what? Part of how the devil worked her over is he manipulated her, convinced her, deceived her. She was deceived. But like he does, he's cunning, he's crafty, he's a wordsmith. And he got her th looking at the thing that God said, don't. He got her looking at it as if it was good. Once again, just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Make sure it's God, friend. And don't fall into the trap of just because it's good that it's the path you're supposed to be on. It may be somebody else's path, and that may be their God path, but it may not be your path. And Holy Spirit's going to help you. In fact, I just decree right now in the name of Jesus that you're getting revelation knowledge on what you're supposed to be doing. You need to find your Derek. That's the Hebrew word Derek. I have a brother-in-law named, named Derek. Hey, Derek, if you're listening. But the Hebrew word Derek means God's ordained or God's perfect path for you. It's, it's the steps he has orchestrated you to take. Now, your neighbor may be uh, on a different path. Now, we're not talking about, you know, different paths to God. No, Jesus is the only way. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about within your mandate, your mission, your calling, your assignment, God's plan for your life. There may be a particular path for somebody over here, but that's not your path. So that's not God's perfect will for you to go down that path. That's God's perfect will for them to be trailblazing in that area. You've got to discover the steps that God has orchestrated for you and then walk in them, do it with gladness, uh, do it with uh, joy, with enthusiasm, do it wholeheartedly. Uh, but it's up to you to discover those things, and he's going to work with you. You know, what did it say? It says, you know, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings uh, to search it out. So God has hidden, as it were, your path. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. And it's an honor for you to discover those hidden things that concern you. So 
once again, don't be fooled or tricked or deceived or, you know, don't settle for just a good thing. Press in there and find out the God thing for you. And it'll be amazing. It'll be awesome. And so this is what he's saying here. You got to renew your mind. Renewal will bring about transformation. Transformation will bring about you actually living into allowing and or proving God's perfect will in your life. You know, a lot of people, they read a thing in the scripture and they say, oh, I see that. But, you know, I don't know if that's real. Well, you know, what you're saying is you haven't been able to prove it. But just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it's not real. But God wants you to experientially prove it in your life. And you do that by renewing your mind to what his, uh, to his sayings. You change your mind. We covered this in a couple podcasts. You change your mind as if you were taking off an old dirty shirt and you put on new fresh clothes. Well, this is revelation knowledge. And as you're putting on these new understandings, then you actually begin to do the thing that you have now discovered is the truth. Don't learn a thing and then not do it. Uh, James said that that's like the hearer uh, who never does anything. You know, that verse says, don't be a hearer only. This is in James, but a doer of the word, lest you deceive yourselves. There's a lot of people that are hearing the truth, but they don't ever implement it. They hear the truth, but they never change uh, from walking in the lie or the deception. When truth comes, they don't put off the lie and put on the truth. And so they just deceive themselves. Don't be like that person. The Bible is exhorting you that when you hear truth, be quick to implement the truth. Take off the old dirty shirt of the old way of the lie of the, or the deception and put on the truth and begin to walk in it. Express those, uh, express and demonstrate those fresh, clean clothes of revelation knowledge in the name of Jesus. All right, so we started there in Romans. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, I'm going to turn there in my Bible. If you got your Bibles, uh, you can grab it really quick, or if you got your phone, uh, I use, um, uh, uh, what this is, is it U version? Yeah, that's the Bible app. I couldn't remember the name because the, uh, the, the icon just says Bible. Uh, it's got all kinds of trans translations. It's a good app. There's others. That's the one I use um, when I use one. I like to have a physical Bible with me. Uh, but I know on, on the go, it's nice to have the digital Bibles. But Ephesians chapter 4, let me get there. And look at verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Here we go. I'm real time turning this uh, in my Bible in, in the studio. Real time. Hallelujah. He says, therefore, I say, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, this is a very interesting word, kind of a King Jamesy word here, but uh, praise the Lord for King James. Uh, it says, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Now, let's, um, let's touch on something here. This is kind of off subject, but I think this will be of interest. So whenever you see the word Gentiles, and later you'll see it uh, also translated as Greeks, the gen Gentile, uh, Gentiles, okay, would be a transliterated word. The Old Testament word, the Hebrew word would have been goyim, that's the nations. Listen, there was only two types of people in the Old Testament, and only two types of people up until the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And uh, the... Two types of people in the Old Testament are the Jews and the Goyim. Goyim is a Hebrew word for nations, okay, or Gentiles. There was only the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, after Christ died on the cross, went 
died on the cross, went to hell for three days, okay? He was spiritually dead. Then he was born again because Heavenly Father raised him from the dead. Now, Zoe life entered into his body. He was born again. He is the firstborn among many brethren. The Bible makes that clear. He's the captain of, of our salvation. Captain because he's the one who went first. He's, he, he, he opened the womb. He pierced the matrix. He was the spearhead. He was the first one. Okay, he has the preeminence in all things because of that. Uh, but he was born again. And uh, after he was born again, he became the firstborn of what? Many brethren. So because of that work of Jesus Christ on Jesus Christ on the cross, uh, Heavenly Father now has made it possible that all who come to uh, the knowledge of the truth, who receive the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit will cause you to be born again. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Holy Spirit will come in and he'll do a work in you and you'll be born again. You'll be raised from the dead just like Jesus was. Now listen, dead doesn't mean you cease to exist. Death means eternity away from God. If you don't have Zoe life, you're dead. The only way to get Zoe life is through Jesus Christ. He is, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life. Life is the word Zoe. You don't get Zoe life except through Jesus. He said, I'm the bread of Zoe. And you, have, you must take him and eat of him in order to get that life. You must partake of his flesh. You must become one with him. And when you're born again, you're likened unto his death. Now, it should have been you up on, on, on that cross, but because of the, suit, uh, the, the, the opportunity for substitution, right? He was the precious lamb that was slain. And he took upon himself sin and death and sickness and he became your substitution, and he suffered for that in hell, and then Father raised him from the dead. Now, you liken yourself unto his death, and when you're raised, when you're born again, you're raised, you're resurrected with new life, just like that of Christ. Hallelujah. You're born again. You didn't cease to exist, but you were dead, and um, hallelujah. Through what Christ did, he made the way possible. That's, that's why he's the captain of our salvation, because he was the first one to experience death like this, uh, total punishment for, for sin, which if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you will experience the same thing. But if you allow him to be your substitute, you won't have to suffer in hell because he, he already did that. But you can be born again and raised to new life just like he was. You can be born again. And now you got Zoe life on the inside of you. The Bible says that you're born of the word, you're born of life, born of the father. You're one spirit with him. You're joined with him. You're one spirit with him. And you're a new creation. You had to be a new creation in order to have that kind of Zoe life on the inside of you. So part of that work of being born again is a total new creation. Well, this added a third category of people on the face of the planet. Before Jesus rose from the dead, nobody was born again. There was only two, two types of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. But once Christ came, and this was part of what Paul said, he said this was the mystery that was hidden in God from the beginning that nobody knew about until now, is this one new man being born again in Christ Jesus. So now there's a third group of people uh, on the earth. So there are Jews now, there are Gentiles, the nations, and now there's also the one new man in Christ Jesus, or we would also know it, know them, you and I, as the church. Or the other metaphors is we're the bride, we're the body, and we're the temple. 
So there's three groups of people on the face of the planet today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Now, listen, if you're not part of that third group of people, you need to get born again. Hallelujah. Bible says that there is a person who will always be before the Father's face. Well, who is that? Well, we find out in Ephesians that that's the born-again believer. That's the new creation. That's the son. Hallelujah. Of course, uh, when we were raised from the dead, when he raised the head Christ, he also raised the body. And this is the person. We're one in him, but this is the person that stands before the Father. Hallelujah. And this is what he's saying here. You no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk because you're no longer a Gentile. If you were a Gentile, but you got born again, you're no longer a Gentile. Now, you're still probably in the same country. You have your same culture. You have your mind still. So you have everything that you had before, other than now your spirit man's totally recreated Christ Jesus, and you're not identified in him as a Gentile anymore. You are identified in him as a son. And if you were a Jew and you got born again, you're no longer a Jew. The Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ Jesus. You're no longer identified by that. Now you are a new creation. You're, a, you're part of that third uh, person that's new on the face of the earth. There's three people now, Jews, Gentiles, and the one new man in Christ Jesus, the son of God, hallelujah, sons of God. Remember that passage that says that um, he was going to raise many sons and daughters to glory. Well, that's, that's, that, that's that creation that you and I are part of in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm an American. And before I was born again, I was an American. After I got born again, I still was in America. But in Christ Jesus, I'm not identified by that. I'm not considered a Gentile. I'm not considered part of the nations because now I'm a son of the Most High. Hallelujah. All right, so he was saying this, that you, you come out of that. You're, you now have privilege. You have opportunity by right of position. Remember, Colossians says that we've been... Uh, transferred or translated out of what the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love you're born again you're in the oikos of heavenly father now you're in god's family christ now is going to begin to teach you he's going to begin to reveal to you what how things work according to the kingdom of god and this is what he's talking about you're not a gentile anymore you're not a if if if, if you're born again you're not a jew anymore now I'm going to teach you how the kingdom operates. And uh, now because you're over here, don't walk according to the futility of their mind or your previous mind. Now, this word futility is also uh, translated in other places, vanity. And, and it means this, depravity. It means perverse. Um, <laughs> listen to this. It means to stop caring for that which is truthful. Listen, Gentile, the word Gentile is translated uh, heathen in other places. Okay. Heathen is generically uh, stands for without covenant. So the Jews, the earthly Jews, they had covenant. So they weren't, they weren't part of the nations in this sense. They weren't heathen because they had covenant with God. They were a people who had covenant with God. The Gentiles, typically, generically, basically, Gentile is another way of saying heathen. Gentile or heathen is another way of saying a person without covenant. So the Jews had covenant. 
the Gentiles or the heathen did not have covenant. Okay. You know, God isn't discriminating because of uh, you're German or you're uh, African or you're um, Irish or you're Indian or you're Caribbean, you know, or you're from Fiji. He's, he's not discriminating based on those factors. But there were people with covenant, people without covenant. There were people who accepted God's uh, uh, relationship with them, people who heard Heavenly Father and yielded to him and obeyed him. And then there were those who rejected him. Those who reject him are those without covenant. And it's not that God doesn't want to have covenant. It's they rejected him. Hardness of their heart, sin and, and iniquity, all those are factors in uh, why there were covenant folk and non-covenant folk. All right, so the Jews had covenant. The Gentiles did not. So once again, when we're born again, though, now God's dealing with us in the New Testament covenant. This is the covenant that's been revealed to us. Paul said it's the mystery that was hidden, but it's a covenant that concerns sonship. And uh, that is available to anybody who will come to the Father through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Zoe. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. This is New, New Testament covenant. So this is what created now this category of this third type of people, this creation, this creature that's now existing on the earth. It's those who now have covenant through Jesus Christ. But he's saying, look, don't walk like a person, like the Gentiles. Don't, don't put off that futility. Put off the rejection of caring for things that are truthful. That's in that word there. So now we should be open to the knowledge of, of the truth. Listen, by, by right of being born again in Christ Jesus, you and I should be the most desirous of truth. Jesus is truth. He said, I am the truth. Uh, we should desire the truth. It should be just native to us. There should be this quest for truth. And when we find the truth, we should embrace the truth. We should not resist the truth. This is what he's talking about. Put that futility off. Listen, Gentiles rejected truth. Non-covenant people reject truth. That's why they're in the situation that they're in. Not you. You've been born of the truth. Uh, from the inside, you have the capacity to know truth. You have the capacity now to minister truth. All right? So put off that vanity and put off that depravity, that perverseness. You know, to reject truth is perversity. Um, to reject truth is utter depravity. That's not you, though. All right, then he goes on, verse 18. He said, having their understanding darkened, and remember, we're talking about the Gentiles specifically here. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the Zoe of God, because, why? Because, verse 18, because of the ignorance that is in them. Because, why are they ignorant? Because of the blindness of their heart. Man, these are powerful truths here. I mean, the word is full of goodness. Oh, thank you, Father, for the word. So he said that people are darkened and therefore subsequently alienated from the life of God because ignorance, because blindness. Blindness produces ignorance. These two factors then begin to alienate you from the life of God because your understanding now becomes darkened. Now, this is all a strategy, and I've said this before, that there's mercy for you and I. 
There's mercy for you and I where there is no mercy for Lucifer, for Satan, for the devil, for the demons, because there's no tempter for them. You and I are tempted. And because of the tempter, there's mercy for you and me. Now, listen, there are other creations that aren't going to experience the same kind of mercy that we have extended to us right now. This is why you're saying today is the day of salvation. We are in the day of grace. We're in the dispensation of grace. There's great grace being made available to us. And because of the mercies of his grace, uh, you and I have the opportunity right now to come to our senses, as it were. The light of the word. There are people, this is why that scripture, remember in Romans, talks about how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Well, they're light bearers. And when light comes into a room, there's things in the dark space that are illuminated. You didn't know were there. And that's why we thank those people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that person in your life that was a light bearer, that brought light to a dark space, and you were able to see the trap and the depravity that you were living in that you wouldn't have seen had the light not come into the space. And uh, so that, that's, that's mercy. That's mercy. Uh, for you to be locked in darkness, God could have left you there, and you wouldn't have known the difference. You wouldn't have had a clue that you were being taken advantage of by the devil, the, the deceiver. He's the God of darkness, uh, the Lord of darkness. And uh, he's also called the Lord of the flies. Can you imagine this? You're, you're in a dark space, and you're getting eaten on by maggots, and you had no idea. See, that's the kind of depravity that people live in the position of being taken advantage of, but they have no clue because they have no knowledge because of the blindness. And because of the blindness, it's produced an ignorance. And so they're being taken advantage of, and they had no clue until the mercy of the Lord brought a light, brought light, so a, a messenger of light. Remember he said, walk in the light. Um, uh, we are children of the light. He said, walk in the light as he is in the light. Well, people who are born again are all of a sudden light bearers. Now, if we could see it in the spirit, you stand out. If uh, we could actually see what the demons see, uh, the difference, uh, uh, how you look in the spirit, uh, you are different because there's light on the inside of you. That light or that life is light, John 1 says, and the life of God that's in you is illuminating. You stand out. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like because I haven't seen it, but I know people that have. And I, and I know people that were deeply entrenched in occult practices, <coughs> excuse me, deeply entrenched in occult practices that could see light coming out of believers, and they were terrified of them. Um, in fact, I'm thinking of a, a particular woman now. Of course, she's passed on. Praise, praise the Lord that she came to Jesus Christ, got saved, got radically born again, but she was a high witch of the four corners, uh, very high and uh, elevated in her, you know, practices there, but she could see the light, and uh, they could see light. You look different. You look different in the spirit realm when you've been born again. Why? Because you're a light bearer now. Light is a spiritual condition. Darkness is a spiritual condition. It's not just simply, uh, you know, we understand light and dark by the sun, the moon, and by electricity, but uh, these are demonstrations or manifestations of the reality of these operations in the spirit realm. And the Bible says that Jesus is light and there'll be a time come in effect where you won't need electricity because Jesus will be the illuminating light. So this is what we're talking about here is 
Some people are entrenched in darkness and they don't even have a clue how they're being taken advantage of because in the dark, they can't see what is manipulating them. That's depravity. That's futility. That's vanity. That's perverseness. That's the reality of perverseness there. But praise God. And listen, friend, this is what I'm saying. Go turn your cities up, upside down. Go be light in dark places. Now, being light doesn't mean going up, up to somebody and, and just completely thrashing them for being a sinner. Listen, they're ignorant. And there's mercy being extended to them. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe. So listen, when we're dealing with people who are trapped in the dark, uh, most people you need to have a little compassion with because they're ignorant. They don't have a clue what they're doing. They're living in darkness. So you can't just go up to them and just utterly beat the snot out of them, out of them with the scriptures. The ministry that we're ministering in is not a ministry of condemnation. It's the ministry of the spirit, which is life. The spirit wants to minister life. Our dispensation is not one of condemnation. Right now, the opportunity for people is uh, uh, mercy is being extended to be delivered out of, out, of, out of darkness, not to be condemned in it. Now, the Bible says if they reject Christ, they're condemned already. But this dispensation of grace is not sealing the condemnation. It's saying, look, if you'll accept Jesus Christ right now, then the light of his word will come in and you'll be able to see the truth and you can come out of that place of darkness and be transferred over into the kingdom of, of the son of his love. So just, just be wise and have compassion when you're ministering to people who are uh, trapped in bondage and in darkness. Uh, and the word will begin to give you the exact strategy. You don't need to you know, fret about it or be worried, but the Holy Ghost will give you the exact strategy of how to illuminate that situation in order to help deliver that person. But this is what we're talking about here is that you've come out of that futility. And uh, as a born again believer, your understanding isn't darkened anymore. And you're not alienated from the life of God now because we found out that Jesus said, hey, I'm the bread of life. Come eat, feast, uh, take me, eat me, drink, drink my blood and eat my flesh. What's he talking about? Not can cannibalism, but he's, he, he's talking about I'm the source of this Zoe life, so come and partake of me whenever you want. This is what he was saying in the communion meal. As often as you do this, well, do it often because uh, you are, in effect, you're feasting on that Zoe life because he came that you may have it in abundance. All right, so you're, you're no longer alienated from the life of God now. No, because you're born again, and Jesus has given himself so you could feast on that, that life, and you're no longer ignorant because you're no longer blinded. Hallelujah. Now this word, uh, heart. So verse 18, we're in Ephesians 4, 18. It says they're blinded because of their heart. Well, heart, this, this, this word heart included in this verse would speak to their belief systems. Romans 10, 10 says that we believe with the heart. You don't believe with the mind. You utilize the mind. And the mind helps to reinforce certain beliefs. But you believe with the heart. And uh, you don't believe with the mind. You're, once again, you're not some big mind. God's not some big mind floating out there. No, you believe with the heart. And a lot of people are blinded due to, due to their belief structures, which was formed by thought processes and certain meditations. Verse 18, alienated. Verse 23. All right, so let's reverse this alienation. How, how do we do that? Verse 23. This is the remedy. 
be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, what is the spirit of the mind? Um, let me give you some sort of practical working definition here. Spirit of the mind is the collective grouping of information, memory, experiences, and, and or experiences that shape perspective, point of reference, and reaction. All right, so he's saying, look, you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Once that renewal process works, you'll begin to tap over in transformation. Transformation is, is when you begin to allow God's reality, heaven's reality, the life uh, of the spirit in Christ Jesus. You begin to allow that to invade, as it were, your natural reality. So you're proving its existence now. Well, you begin that process by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. So once again, spirit of the mind is the collective grouping of information, memory, and or experiences that have shaped your perspectives, your point of reference, and your reactions. Uh, you, you can relate with this. So this is Romans 7, Romans seven fifteen. Paul said this, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice but what I hate that I do. You ever been in that conundrum? Oh, what a, what a place. Hallelujah. Verse 16, he says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So Paul is saying here that if you had a thought to not do something because you thought it was wrong, but you did it anyways, will you agree with the law then that the thing you did was wrong to do and you confirm that the law was good and right? Verse 17 Paul says, now he's speaking by revelation of Holy Spirit here. This isn't just Paul's opinion. This isn't just Paul's words, his thoughts. No, no. He, uh, he said that he was caught up into heaven and he learned some stuff. He learned how things work in the spirit. Now he's telling us by way of the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, he says, but now it is no longer I. Of course, he's referring to the born again spirit. He said, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present, that's from his spirit. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I don't find. Verse 19, for the good that I will to do I don't do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I, referring to his born-again spirit, who does it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Now listen, you, 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 you got to get this. You need to spend some time uh, meditating and pondering this. Too many people just blow past this chapter. This is chapter seven of Romans because they'll, they'll say, I just don't understand it. Well, give yourself time to meditate on it. Pray about it. Pray into it. Ask Holy Spirit to re reveal it to you. I'm going to give you uh, a starting point here. Paul isn't contradicting himself and he's not being a psychopath here. He's not being schizophrenic here. The reality is that you're a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. You are not a body and you are not a soul. You are not some brain out there. You're not just a mind, ethereal mind floating around in the ether waves and bumping around in the great collective. 
We are not part of, you know, we're not just some mass of atoms floating around in a great collective called a brain somewhere. No, there's a spirit realm out there. God is a spirit and you're created in his image and likeness. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Souls where your mind, will, and emotions are. And that's a connector piece between the spirit realm and the natural realm. Your body uh, has been subjected in hope to a futility right now. It's it's bound, locked into a natural reality. Uh, was it First Corinthians chapter 2 says that the natural man or the natural part of you has no mind for spiritual things. Spiritual things are foolish to him. This is why you have a soul, and the soul is the interconnecting piece. It's what's working between your spirit and your flesh or the natural part of you. And it's bringing continuity between the three parts. Praise the Lord. So don't throw your mind away, but your mind has to be renewed to the reality that your spirit man is already experiencing in Christ Jesus. It's born again. It's one with the father, but the natural part of you hasn't a mind for that. That part's subjected right now to that reality. It's a spiritual state called mortality. Soon, uh, Bible says uh, in the letters, we'll be able to kick that off. We'll be able to take that off and put on immortality. But that time hasn't come yet. So there's a couple things that we have to do. This is what Paul is saying. He said, I'm seeing something here working. He's trying to work all three parts of himself together. You're a three-part being. And what needs to be dominant is the spirit. And that's what he's saying here. He said, according to the inward man, out of my born-again spirit, uh, there is righteousness. Out of my born-again spirit, there is light. Out of my born-again spirit is zoe. Out of my born-again spirit, I'm one with uh, Christ. I'm Holy Spirit dwells in me. I'm one with the Father. And so there is a knowledge on the inside. But he said, I'm caught because my natural part of me, he said, I'm seeing that in my flesh or in my members, he said, sin wants to continue to reside. And later we find out, Paul said, hey, you know what? I discovered what I have to do with this. I've got to put that part under. I have to discipline that, that part. If I don't discipline that part, it's, it's going to take me in, in to sin. And they said, I, when that happens, I realize, according to the inward man, that the law of God is good. And I confirm that the law is good because there is a, a condemning of the thing. The holiness of God and the righteousness of God will condemn that sin. And he said, so I'm agreeing with the law that is good. And so he said, I'm seeing this, this battle going on here. On the inside, he said, I'm de I delight in the law of God. Remember when God said, be holy for I am holy? Hallelujah. Well, in the inward man, you can do that. But that revelation knowledge has to take precedence over the reality of what's going on in the natural. Listen, your, your flesh is dirty. Huh? <laughs> oh, Jesus. The flesh nature uh, is sensual. Now I'm, now, I'm not talking sexual. That's included, but it's sensual, meaning it's so sense oriented. It's what it can feel, see, touch, taste. It, it, it lusts after the natural. And he was saying, dude, that's what becomes enmity against the spiritual things. The spiritual reality is a higher reality. It doesn't feast on natural things. It doesn't have to. It's higher than that. But the flesh, the natural part of you, it's got to be renewed to the reality of the higher living in the spirit.
And if you don't dominate the natural part of you, if you don't dominate the flesh, the flesh will just feast after fleshiness, flesh, carnality, flesh, sensuality. Yes, it can get over into sexual things, but it's not just there. It's sensual because it's sense-able. It just wants to, whatever it can sense, whatever it can touch, taste, feel, and that can war or militate against spiritual realities. Let me tell you how, let me give you an example of how that can work against you. If you have sickness in your physical body and the pain and the discomfort and even the death may be associated with that, if you're not watchful, that will become dominant and that will lead you to a place where ultimately that pain, that sickness and death will overtake you. But your flesh doesn't have a revelation of by his stripes you were healed. You didn't get that in the natural. You got that by revelation. You got that because that came out of your spirit, man. The Zoe life of God on, on the inside of you said, hey, I can take care of that. And so here you are, you say, oh, praise God in Christ Jesus, by his stripes, I'm healed. You try and tell that to your body, your body says, do what? I'm sorry, I don't even, uh, that does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. Well, yeah, because your flesh or the natural part of you has no mind for spiritual things. It cannot comprehend how the stripes on Jesus's back is the solution to the pain that I'm feeling in my body. And so you can find yourself trying to convince your flesh that you're healed. And you're saying, oh, flesh, if you'll just trust me, listen, it won't. It has no mind for it. It's foolish to him. So what do you do? Well, you have to dominate it in the spirit realm. You have to put your flesh under. You have to say, listen, flesh, I know you're in pain, but uh, you're going to shush it right now for just a minute. Because the truth is, by his stripes, I am healed. And so you have to begin to uh, enforce the truth over what you're sensing and feeling in the natural realm. And listen, stop arguing with your body. Yes, your body's saying, oh, I'm in pain. Well, it, 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 it doesn't understand what your spirit understands. So if you'll put your flesh under, Paul said it has to be crucified daily. You, you're not literally murdering your body. But he was saying, you put your flesh under. You tell it, in the name of Jesus, I'm putting you under right now. You are not going to rule and dominate me. See, that's part of the curse. That's a part of uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, the glory of the Lord lifted and they saw their nakedness. They saw that part of them and that part uh, became really dominant. And all the sin and the wickedness and the perversion and everything that was going on in all the Gentiles was because the flesh now became dominant. They saw their nakedness and they made their nakedness uh, the king. They made their, their, they made their nakedness, they made the fleshiness their, their overlord. And their spiritual reality became dormant or dead. That was spiritual death. But in Christ Jesus, this opportunity has been flipped now. Now you can hide that nakedness away. That nakedness, that sensuality, that fleshiness does not have to dominate you. It can be put under the glory of God. The revelation now of who you are in Christ Jesus, that glory can now clothe you again. Put on Christ, the Bible says. And you got to put that flesh under. If you don't, that flesh will hound you. That flesh will tell you that you're dying. Listen, that flesh will tell you that that's, this sickness is overtaking us. But you have to put that part under. 
You got to put on Christ and you have to allow the reality of the, the access that you have to the higher law of spiritual things, the preeminence of the word, and you got to put that in your situation. And if you'll put the word first, because it has preeminence, listen, and you put your body under, you put your flesh under, then the preeminence of the word will begin to realign. It'll begin to reorient uh, the situation in your physical body. And the truth of the word of God will begin to change the facts in the natural. And your body will be healed in the name of Jesus. This was what Paul was experiencing here. Listen, you need to go in and study Romans chapter 7 so you can uh, become stronger uh, and recognize this, this, this battle. You're not a weirdo. Uh, you're not a schizophrenic. But the reality is there's three parts of you that have to work together in sequence. Your spirit needs to be dominant. Your soul needs to be the second uh, dominant thing. And then your flesh just needs to be told what to do. Don't ever ask your flesh for its opinion. It's only going to read back to you or tell back to you communicate back to you only what it can sense in the natural and you'll be severely limited look at this romans 7 23 or let's go back to 22 he says for i delight in the law of god according to the inward man so listen our new nature our our new man has the spirit of god dwelling on the inside when god speaks he speaks to our spirit revelation from god enters our understanding first through our spirit and then it lights upon uh, upon our mind which is in the soul realm. And from there, you can utilize your mind and your brain now to give instruction to your physical body to keep in line with what has been illuminated to you in the spirit realm. Verse 23 says, I see another law in my members. This is, this is what we're talking about. He said, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. Doesn't have to, but Paul said, this was my experience for a time. So knowledge of the new man or the new nature is warring against the old man or the old nature or the old way. That's still present in your memories. And in a lot of ways, you have certain uh, muscle memory. You have patterns and habits that are now muscle memory, and you've got to change those. And I think in one of the podcasts, we talked about the phantom limb. And this is the phenomenon if somebody has lost uh, a particular limb through amputation or whatever the situation were, uh, situation was, if you've lost a limb, and I was telling a story about this man that I was talking with that he had lost an arm, and he was telling me about the phenomenon, this condition called the phantom limb. And uh, it, it doesn't happen as often to him now because uh, he's been without that particular arm for several years now. But in the, in the beginning, he said that he would, he would act as if the hand was still there even though his hand wasn't there. That's called the phantom limb. And it's because his mind and muscle memory, uh, he had that hand for so long, he would reach out for a can of soda with that hand. Well, even though that hand wasn't there, his mind and the muscle memory would still try and reach out and use the hand as if it was still there. Well, this phenomenon is, uh, in a lot of ways, what, what happens when we're born again. According to the inward man, you've got revelation knowledge of things you didn't have before. You have the light of the word. You, righteousness is working in you. and uh, But in your mind and in your flesh is the memories and the patterns and the habits and the muscle memory of what you used to do before you were saved. Things you used to watch, things you used to say, people you used to hang with, things you used to do, places you used to go. And, it, it, and if you're not watchful, you'll 
kind of try and revert back to the old way. But all of a sudden, what Paul was saying, he said, I started to do this, but now, now I'm conflicted because on the inside, I'm wanting to do what's right, but my flesh is still wanting to do what's wrong. And you've got to renew that. You've got to come into a, a place where you discipline yourself now to go by the leading or the unction or that witness that's coming up from the inside. That's where you're born again. So it, it's similar to that phantom limb effect. And you've got to change your mind. You have to tell your mind that gentleman that lost his arm and therefore lost, lost his hand, he had to retrain his mind. Um, now, that's kind of unfortunate uh, in his situation. But I think you understand the point that I'm trying to make. He had to retrain his mind that my hand is not there. And he, he even said that he would go out and he would try and scratch his hand. I mean, it, it was as if his hand was there, but it wasn't there. He had to renew his mind. He had to change his mind now to the reality that things were different. Paul, he wraps up this section in chapter 7. In verse 24, he said, No wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And in verse 25, he says, Thank God. Jesus Christ. That's the deliverer. Jesus is our salvation out of this. He says, so then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And that's what he's talking about here is get yourself where your spirit is dominant and you won't serve the law of sin. Now you'll put that flesh under. If the flesh is dominant, you're going to be serving the law of sin. But if your spirit is dominant, you're going to come out of that and later we find out that the law of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and death. You, you, you get yourself where your spirit man is dominant and you'll walk in the law of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, uh, let's stop there. And I think we've given you some stuff to meditate on and ponder on. And um, I believe you'll be blessed if you'll begin to, you know, really think about what I've been saying and apply it where it's appropriate in your situation. Hallelujah. Well, listen, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. This is the Grace for the City podcast. And hey, if we can be a blessing to you, please let us know. We would love to agree with you in prayer. If you've got a prayer request or you just need somebody to talk to, a couple ways to reach out to us. Send us an email, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv or call us 870 870- Seven four one nine zero nine nine. Leave a message. Somebody will get right back with you. But uh, let us know how we can help you and encourage you. We would love to do that. Hey, I want to say thank you to all of our partners and supporters, all of our patrons out there helping to keep the podcast going into the nations. If you'd like to participate in that, any gift is a tax deductible gift. Several ways to give. You can go to the website, gracecitychurch.tv forward slash give. Or if you're in the United States, you can text the give eight four. Three, two, one. Follow the prompts or snail mail. P.O. Box 7, Harrison, Arkansas, 72602. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, friends, we love you. And until next time, be blessed.